0: It's hard to believe this, but over the last 21 weeks, we have completed an overview study of the Old Testament. And what an important study, because we've seen how the Old Testament fits together. It's not a collection of ancient stories. It's more than that. It's one story, His story. And for some, today will be the day that you see the Bible in a whole new way. I mean it. Hopefully, you have the sermon notes that we emailed you Uh, a few days ago. If you don't, it's okay. Just grab a pen and pencil and some paper uh, because today more than usual, you're going to want to take notes. Okay, do you have your notes ready? Your pen and pencil, your paper? Write down each of these. Those of you who have notes, you already have them. These are headers in the sermon notes. Fill in your blanks. Today we're going to see one dream, five people, four covenants, and three hints of something to come. I'll share with them again. One dream, five people, four covenants, and three hints of something to come. You got those? Okay, now grab your Bibles. Let's open them to Genesis chapter 1. From the beginning, we've seen that God has a dream. He desires a family that loves him and loves others as themselves. Now, this is all built on the great commandment and the golden rule. God's all about relationship. Now, for God's dream to happen, we must know Him. We must grow in relationship with Him and with others. And we must go reflecting Him in everything we do. God has a dream. So, He creates this incredible world. And when He finishes, He declares it very good. And it's here that we meet our first person. So, go to that people category and write, down Adam. He's living in paradise. No coronavirus there. In fact, he lives in perfection. There's no heartache, pain, sorrow, sickness, death. It's a perfect world, perfect wife, and a perfect life. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is called the creation covenant. So we see that there is a God, he's good, and he has a question. Adam, will you trust me? Now, why wouldn't Adam trust God? I mean, he's got a a perfect world, a perfect woman. All of his needs are taken care of. Surely he's going to trust God, right? Wrong. Not only do Adam and Eve not trust God, they reject God and His plan for them. They rebel. And the Bible calls that sin. Instead of listening to God, they listen to a deceiving serpent, God's enemy, Satan. And when they sin, everything changes. God's plan for them is revoked. Why? Because God is holy. He can't share in a relationship with sin. And sin is like a a multi-generational disease. It's passed from Adam and Eve to their children and then their children all the way till today. It's affected and infected everybody. Every government, every church, every school, every human heart has been affected. Before sin, death didn't exist. Now there's sin and you have pain and heartache, sorrow, sickness, and death, and it's rampant. It's all man's fault because he chose to reject God and reject his plan for them. And so we wonder, is God's dream dead? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God speaks to the deceiving serpent, and look what he says, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, He, her seed, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, striking someone's heel never killed anybody. But striking somebody's head, that can be a death blow. And this is our first hint. Back to our notes. A hint of something to come. Her seed will strike or crush your head. See, God's planning to defeat Satan. He's going to stage a rescue effort to restore man to himself. Now this is big, why? Not only is he saving man, but there's more to it than just saving man and defeating Satan. How does a God who is holy, uncompromisingly perfect, and just, he must punish sin, save sinful man without compromising his holy standard or his justice? Now that's a legitimate question. And for him to do it, it's going to take time. Meanwhile, things get worse. Instead of a few sinful people, over time it's estimated that there are 750 million, perhaps even a billion people, all of them sinners. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was evil all the time. So, God purges the world with a great flood. Only one family is willing to be saved. And do their generations following them trust God? No, they don't. And again, we wonder, is God's dream dead? Then in Genesis chapter 12, we meet person number two, Abram, later known as Abraham. God chooses him and makes a covenant promises. Uh, Look at chapter 12, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Jump down to verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so what do we see here? Three things that God's going to give Abram and his descendants. A nation, blessing, and land. These words are from what's called the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant in the covenant section on your notes. He's God. He's good. And will Abraham trust God? Remember, Abram's old. He has no offspring, but Abraham does trust God. And when he's 100 years old and his wife Sarah is 90, God blesses him them with a son, Isaac. And also from this covenant, we see hint number two, all families of the earth will be blessed. Now this hint is about one of Abraham's descendants and how he'll be a blessing to the whole world. How someone will come in the future to bless the world. Very interesting. So Abraham has Isaac, Isaac grows up and has Jacob. God changes Jacob's name to Israel and he has a very large family, all of which end up in Egypt. Now over several generations, Israel's population explodes. So much so that the Egyptian Pharaoh begins to be afraid of the Israelites. And so he enslaves them. And once again, we wonder, is God's dream dead? So the enslaved Israelites cry out to God and he sees their need, hears their cry, and he answers them by raising up another person, person number three, Moses. God has chosen him to deliver the Israelites. God is God. He is good. But will Moses trust him? And he does. Moses visits Pharaoh saying, Let my people go! And Pharaoh refuses. But with each refusal come plagues. Ten refusals, ten plagues, judging Pharaoh's disobedience and mocking Israel's false gods. And the tenth plague gets the worst. The death of firstborns. God commands Moses to tell each of the Israelite families to kill a lamb and put its blood on the doorpost of their house and that the spirit of death will pass over them. The Israelites obey and their firstborns are saved, but not the Egyptians, not Pharaoh's firstborn. And with this plague, Israel is freed from slavery. And we have hint number three of something to come. A lamb is killed to save people from death and slavery. Israel then journeys to Mount Sinai, and there God and the Israelites enter into an agreement. They declare that he is their God, and he declares that they are his people. And the name of the agreement is the Mosaic Covenant. So that's another one of your covenants, the Mosaic Covenant. God promises them that if they're faithful to him, he will bless them unlike any nation on the earth. Remember, God wants a family who loves him and who loves others as themselves. Knowing, growing, and going as a reflection of him in all that they do. As God ushers them into their promised land, we wonder, will Israel trust God? Under the leadership of David and King Solomon, even Joshua before them, Israel shows promise. But in the end, they fail. They turn to false gods, worshiping idols. The prophet Hosea likens Israel as a wife who continually breaks her husband, her husband's heart, who runs to prostitution instead of being faithful to him. And the northern part of the nation falls to the Assyrians in 722 B.C., And the southern part is taken captive to the Babylonians 136 years later. And again, we wonder, is God's dream dead? A generation later, the Jewish captives in Babylon, now the Medo-Persian Empire, are allowed to return back to their homeland in small waves. Now, this is an exciting time, a time of hope. But sadly, in the end, they struggle with their devotion to God. And then God goes silent. Seriously. Before the New Testament era, there's 400 years of silence where God doesn't speak through prophets at all. In fact, he says nothing. And then there's a voice. As one crying in the wilderness, the Bible says, yelling, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. They're the words of John the Baptist, but all the while he's pointing to somebody else. He's pointing to the Messiah. And all eyes focus on person number four, Jesus. And oh my, things are getting exciting. Please turn with me to John chapter one. In John chapter one we see that Jesus is the one being hinted at. Back in Genesis, after the fall, uh God says to the serpent, He shall strike your head, and you shall strike his heel. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And then also verse 5. John chapter 1, 1 through 3, and then verse 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is the one hinted at. He was at the beginning, creating everything, light piercing the darkness. Jesus was born to a far-removed virgin daughter of Eve. Abraham walked on land that was promised by God that would be his descendants. And what did God say to him? In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Look at John chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. It says here, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the one hinted at. We trace him back to Abraham, the one who would come to bless all the families of the earth. But how? How does he strike Satan's head, freeing man from death and slavery to sin? Well, as Moses told the Israelites to place the blood of the lamb on the doorpost to save them from death and deliver them from slavery, in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says to Jesus as he sees him on the Jordan River, "...behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Again. Jesus is the one hit it at the Lamb of God whose blood would save us from death and deliver us from slavery to sin John chapter 1 verse 18 goes on to say no one has ever seen God but God the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known you know it's it. It's easy to blame Adam and Eve for throwing the human race into sin and death. But from the beginning, God had a dream. He hints at it throughout the Old Testament. And what we need to see is that the Old Testament is his story, his pursuit to make his dream come true, to rescue man, to restore him to himself. Man chose to sin. It enslaved and separated us from God. It separated God from the family that he desired. But through Jesus, God's dream lives. It's alive and well. Because he did it the way he did, God, who is perfectly holy and just, is able to forgive man without compromising his perfect justice. Wow. Now, sinless Jesus took on himself all the punishment we deserve so that way God is still perfectly just and the justifier this is uh, this is his story how he rescued man and and he says to us will you trust me you know relationship with God only comes through relationship with Jesus who makes him known John 1 trusting Jesus is trusting God And this brings us to the new covenant. One that is established by Jesus. The night Jesus was betrayed, he met with his disciples for the Passover celebration. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, Jesus took the cup and he said, this this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. Jesus died and took the punishment of your sin, Jesus did it because he wants you to share in his dream, to be his child, to be part of his family. And when you believe and trust your life to him, who he is, what he did, that he shed his blood and died to save you from death, to rescue you from slavery to sin and restoring you to a right relationship with God, then you are his. From the beginning, God had a dream. You know, we humans, we almost ruined it. But thanks to God's relentless pursuit, He worked to rescue you. And He has a question for you. Will you trust me? He has a dream for your life where you're in His family, loving Him and loving others as yourself, knowing, growing, going, reflecting Him in everything you do. Person number five in your notes is you. The Bible is all one story. It's his story. And it has everything to do with you. Will you trust him? Let's talk to him right now. Let's pray. God, we want to be people who, who trust you. The world is competing for our loyalty, our devotion, our commitment. But you're God. You're good. And Lord, we want to be the kind of people who trust you. People who seek after you. Lord, you have always had a plan. And that's so clear in Scripture. You have made it possible for us to be a part of it. You want us to be your family, knowing you growing with you and others, and going to reflect you in everything that we do. Lord, may we do everything so that others can get on, get in on this too. Father, if there's anybody listening right now that that uh, you would just grab a hold of their hearts, pierce it, let them know that you desire that they be part of your family, that you want them to love others of themselves. And even right now, Lord, I pray that they would turn toward you, repent of their sin, turn from their sin, and acknowledge that they need you and what Jesus did for them. Lord, may they trust in it with their lives. May they follow after him in devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen.